You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. Knowing that, that together we come unified, seeking and wanting more of the Lord and saying, God, Lord, here we are. Lord, your word says show up, Lord, we're showing up. So I'm, uh, I'm Stephen. I am a pastor at uh, the Foundry Church in, uh, in West Virginia. And, um, you know, I, I just want to jump in this morning. Um, just jump into to the word I believe the Lord has for not just today, but for us, for our lives as we seek him. Uh, a theme verse that I would say for, for this conference, but I would say even, even more personal for my own life has been 1 Corinthians 4.20. It says, for the kingdom of God does not consist of talk, but of power. And we're just going to discuss this, we're going we're gonna to jump into it. And the whole purpose of our, of our time today is to be empowered for mission. Right? Jesus calls us out of our old life into a new life, but then says, I still have more. Right? So he didn't come just so that you and I could um, manage sin and no longer be a part of our old life and kind of tiptoe around it, but to enter into a new life, to be free and full, to live a life of empowerment because of his spirit. Right? So, so often whenever you're in the church, you hear about God the Father, God the Son, and then God the Holy Spirit is kind of left out. But, but today we want to put that focus on that. Yes, like God was here in the Old Testament, and, and the people over and over and over again just kept questioning him and going against him. Then he sent his son to come and, and set the example, and, and we as people killed him. And unfortunately, after he sent his spirit on the day of Pentecost, we've ignored him and rejected him. But this morning, I just want to remind you, church, that, that, that whenever God sent his spirit, Jesus said, it is for your benefit that I go away and I send the spirit for your, for your benefit, for your empowerment for on, on your behalf. So we're looking at the Great Commission. We're looking at our calling as disciples. We're called to be empowered for mission and to go out into the world to preach the gospel, to make disciples, to baptize, to heal, to deliver, and all the things that heaven provides. And if anything this morning, if anything throughout today, yes, as, as we believe in, in, in that we're partnering with the word that we believe God has given, that he's going to pour out newness and new gifts, but if today, if nothing else, just get shaken up and stirred up for what your calling and your purpose is as, as a son and a daughter of God and heir to the kingdom of heaven. That's what I want to talk about this morning. See, whenever you think of, of baptism, whenever you hear the word baptism, our minds tend to go in one of two places, right? We think of baptism and being baptized in the water. And then, God forbid, we talk about the other baptism, baptizing the Spirit. But if I could this morning, I want, to, I want to talk about three baptisms that I see in Scripture. The first baptism, Holy Spirit baptizes us into one body, the body of Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 12, 13, it says, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For in one, through, right, through and because of the spirit. 
Because of the outpouring of the Spirit, because of the ministry of the Spirit, through the Spirit, you and I were brought into being one with God. Brought into one family, one body, the church, the capital C church, the Spirit of God brings us together. It's through the Spirit that you and I come to salvation. We don't just come to salvation to anybody. We come to salvation into God, the Father. In John 16, it says, And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. He is the one who ministers to you and I, ministers in truth and convicts us of sin and convinces us that we're in need of a savior because there's this conviction that takes place. Right? Conviction is a good thing. Right? Conviction tells us, hey, like you can't do this on your own. On your own, you're miserably failing. But there's one who has come to rescue you, to deliver you, and to bring you back. Mm-hmm. Through one, through the Spirit, we're brought into one body. We all, Jew and Gentile, each and every person, each and every individual believer, <coughs> baptized into the body of Christ. And this is a, this is like the beautiful thing, right? It's like, Holy Spirit doesn't wait until like 10 or 15 people get saved to bring you into the family. It's at that moment, Lord, here I am. I confess my sins. I know that I have done wrong and I need you as my Savior. Boom. You're a part of the family of God. Amen. Too often, we have that moment and that encounter with God and then we kind of walk around. God, where are you? The lonely. God, where are you? But he calls us into that family immediately. It's just that he immerses us. He completely saturates us and drenches us. Romans 8, 15, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with him, in in order that we may also be glorified with him. So we come to salvation, a seal is placed upon us, and we are now a part of the family of God. And what did Jesus say that the Spirit does? He he says that he knows what the Father knows, he has what the Father has, and then what? He gives it out to those who follow him. So what heaven offers, we have access to. That's That's how we can pray and declare on earth as it is in heaven. Too often we're praying that prayer and just letting it be a prayer that falls on deaf ears. But the reality is, as Jesus came and set the example, as the apostles were raised up and set the example, as the disciples were raised up and set the example, as the New Testament church was raised up and set the example that we are to have heavenly solutions for our earthly situations. Right? In a world of hopelessness, we can have hope. In a world of sin and and chaos, we can have freedom and holiness. In a world full of opinion, we can live in and declare truth. Mm -hmm. On earth as it is 
in heaven. It says, and then drink of one spirit, John 7. Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. You know that, that, that the Holy Spirit is symbolized as water time and time again. So if we come and drink of the spirit that is water, it says that those who drink, that your heart will be a river flowing with water. Where's your heart flowing this morning? Right? If we have access to the spirit who's been with God from the beginning, and the water is flowing out of us, guess what? That has to go to somebody. That has to affect somebody. That has to influence a community. So we're baptized into one body. Well, then we're baptized in water. Right? We see it in, uh, in Matthew 28. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. First off, Jesus is always with you and I as believers. Why? Because we were baptized into the body through the Spirit. And because we were baptized into the body through the Spirit, we're all a part of Him. His presence, if you haven't caught yet, His presence is necessary, it's significant. You and I shouldn't take one more step without being aware that the Spirit of God is needed in our lives. Because that's a scary step if we do it without Him. And as disciples, we are called to take the Word of God out to the world. Right? So this baptized with water, it's this, it's this symbolism. We are, we are declaring out loud in public that, that there's an inward work that has taken place in our heart. Right, that we have repented of our sins. We are now under a new lordship. We're baptizing with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And again, it comes after salvation, right? After you're brought to the family of God, baptism, baptizing water takes place. John the Baptist sets this example in, in Matthew 3.11. He says, I baptize you with the water of repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and with fire. So here's John the Baptist, setting the example of baptizing with water. He says, my baptism is a baptism of repentance. As, he, as he's going through, he's preaching this message, prepare the way of the Lord. And people are coming to John and they're, and they're hearing the message that he's preaching and they're, they're, they're believing and they're getting baptized and I repent of my sins and, and they want to live a life that is different. He says, but don't let this be the only baptism that you receive. There is one who is coming after me who will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. This greater person, the one that we were preparing the way for, Jesus, he is here. He is the one that is coming. So then Jesus shows up on the scene, right? And Jesus comes and gets baptized by John the Baptist. And what happens in that moment? As Jesus is baptized, he comes up. The father says, behold, this is my son. Jesus is present. He's being baptized. 
And the Holy Spirit, like a dove, ascends upon him. Now there's a, a little, little moment there where then Jesus is sent out to the wilderness. Right? He's tempted by the enemy. Right? This story should ring a bell if you've been in the church. Jesus wasn't baptized to say that he needed saved. Right? Jesus was baptized to symbolize salvation. That he was the only way to salvation. Jesus was baptized in water by John the baptizer, but it was more significant than just being baptized in water. Jesus was baptized with Holy Spirit in that moment as well. It would be in this moment after the Spirit that, that as he went into the desert and as he was tempted by the enemy that whatever God was working in his heart, right? And it, it, it's interesting. Like, like we don't get any more about that time in the desert than those temptations of the enemy. I just wonder what, what his time with God looked like. Have you ever wondered about that in that moment? He was there for 40 days and 40 nights. What was that prayer time like? Could you imagine that? What kind of conversations did him and God have? What, what kind of revelation was God giving to him? What kind of empowerment was he receiving as he was just waiting and being with God the Father? Later on in Acts chapter 1, after Jesus is, is crucified and put in, in the grave and comes back to his disciples, Acts 1, he says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said, it is not for you to know the times and the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. So here's Jesus' final words before ascending into heaven. Have you ever broke these down before? Do not depart. Don't go anywhere. Don't take one more step. Go and wait. Go and wait for the promise that I have given you. Go and wait for the promise that has happened to me back when I was baptized. So that you can then fulfill what you were called to do. Go and wait. Wait for the promise. I think this was a test of their faith in, in one way or another. So Jesus talked about Holy Spirit and his ministry. They had witnessed the power that he has, that he was living and, and just uh, exuding from him. And he says, it is better that, you, that I go so that you receive the helper. The helper will come, Holy Spirit. And, and his ministry started after his baptism and after that, that, that time in, in the desert. If Jesus needed the Spirit to fulfill the Great Commission, to fulfill the calling that God had placed on his life, the Son of God, how much more do you and I need him? How much more do you and I need the empowerment of the Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit, to do what God has called us to do? He knew that he would need the Spirit to be connected to God the Father and to himself and to fulfill God's will for his people. Too often you and I walk around trying to fulfill our own will and trying to make it God's will. 
But we do that out of our own authority and our own ability. But God calls us to lay that down and pick up his. Lay our will down, lay our own ability down, and pick up his will and his ability and his power to do so. Because here's the thing. If we didn't have Jesus, we would, we would be just as hopeless as the world around us. If we didn't have Jesus, we would be just as chaotic and anxious as the world around us. We wouldn't have the peace of God. Right? And, and that list continues. We would be like the world without Jesus in our lives. That's what sets us apart and makes us different. The church was never supposed to be just a gathering of people on a Sunday morning. Or who just show up to a conference. But the church was to be an empowered people on mission to bring heaven to earth to be representation of what God looks like. Of the love that he gives, of the forgiveness that he provides, of the mercy that he does to rescue people from the pits of hell and direct them to the gates of heaven. But too often as a church, praise the Lord. Check with the church today. We become like the Pharisees and we walk to the other side of the street to the person who's in need. We've succumbed to this. Whenever someone has something going on in their lives, well, well you know, God will take care of it. We've succumbed to a, a prayer of, well, you know, God, the doctors in their hands. And that's okay. Like, like, I'm not knocking any of that. But what if our first response to whatever's around us comes right from the word of God. Because that's what the church is supposed to be. The people following the word of God, reproducing his character and his presence where we're at. And the last time I checked, where his presence is, darkness isn't. Where his presence is, illness and disease is healed. Time and time again, when we're looking at the New Testament, the Spirit is being poured out. People are getting saved. People are getting touched and healed, and signs and wonders and miracles are taking place. Guess what? When you've spoken the Word of God recently, think about you like witnessing to somebody. How'd it go? There's a lot of words out there that people are listening to. There's a lot of opinion out there that people are listening to. But that's not the example that we get in Scripture. The Word is always present and partners with it. But believers went out in the power and the authority of God. Peter and John walked into the temple to pray for, for prayer. It's a lame man. He, they could have easily been, been like, I'm late for prayer, bless you. And went away. But they took a moment, get up and walk. For that man, the culture around him no longer made sense. He was introduced to Jesus. Whenever Jesus encountered people, 
their culture never didn't make sense after that point. Right? I think of the lady who had who had the blood disorder. As she's crawling her way to Jesus, as she's pushing her way through the crowd. Now think about this. If you're walking through a crowd and people are touching you, like you're just going to be where the people are touching you, right? But one touch, and Jesus recognized it out of all the other touches. And when he had that interaction with her, culture said, you can't be a part of us. You can't come and, and pray. You can't come to the, to the tabernacle. You can't be a part of this. But then Jesus encountered her. Then pointed her back to the Father. Right? He healed her. And then spoke a word of God to her. Too often, we're just speaking the word of God. Now, don't hear me say that the word of God isn't powerful. It is. Right? But I think too often we hide behind it in a selfish way because we don't want to step out of what God has actually called us to do. If you look at the Great Commission according to Mark, when's the last time you passed the midway point of, of Mark's Great Commission? Got to all the world, preached the gospel, Great disciples, baptizing the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We stop there. And then he goes on to continue. Deliver from demons, heal the sick, raise the dead. Right? Who, who stopped at the first half? But that's not the example that scripture gives us. There's a lot of people in the world seeking experiences and encounters, and they're going everywhere but the church. Because the church who has been silent and inactive has told them that's okay. <coughs> so here's the Apostle Paul. He goes to the, the, those in Ephesus. Right? You know the story. He comes to those in Ephesus. He says, and it happened, Acts 19. And while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country to the, and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, no, we didn't know there was a Holy Spirit to receive. We received John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. And there were about 12 men in all. You know, I think so often we stop at the, at the baptism of water, the, the baptism of, of, of repentance, because that's comfortable for us. Great, I got my ticket to heaven. I'm, I'm not going to hell. I'm, I'm good to go. So I kick my feet up and coax and, and go through. But Paul, with those in Ephesus, says that's not enough. Again, like Jesus just doesn't want to rescue you from sin. He wants you to enter into a life of fullness. Great. You, you repented? Amen. Hallelujah. Guess what? There's more. 
Because if we're not overshadowed by the presence of God, the presence of the world will start to try to influence us again. There's a reason why people who maybe we've seen in the church who have repented of their sins, who, who were living a life for the Lord, and there, maybe there wasn't this, this baptism in the spirit of why they're no longer in the church and they're back involved in what they were delivered from. Because they weren't overshadowed by the power of God. It's this presence of the spirit that changes your life, that empowers you and equips you. But he also keeps you. Because there's always this like, I don't know how to fully explain, but there's this always this longing and wanting of more. I mean, that's, that's part of that, when the Spirit of God is, is praying on our behalf, right? With this like aching for more of God. So that in those moments, whenever a life seems difficult, he's like aching and then, no, keep going, God has more. There's something that God wants to do. In those moments, whenever it seems like you, it's just, you just want to give up, like, no, I keep going. There's, there's more. In those moments, maybe you don't know what's going on. It's like, let me remind you of the truth that God has given you. Right? There's a ministry that the Spirit has for you and for me in our own personal lives that we can then go minister through Him. But the church has sat back with their feet kicked up and their arms crossed. The church is not how it's supposed to be. And I think those in Ephesus serve as an example for us this morning. Yes, being saved will rescue, rescue you from hell. Being baptized in water will rescue you, right? That salvation will rescue you from hell. Baptized in the Spirit will help you live a full life to heaven. So this theme verse that I keep circling around that that 1 Corinthians 4.20, for the kingdom of God does not consist of talk, but power. Pastor Jeff Leake says, "When when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you become part of God's strategic plan to reach the world with the hope of Jesus Christ. According to the Great Commission, witnessing for the kingdom of heaven is not optional for believers. So that second part of Mark, not an option. It's a requirement. And the church as a whole has dropped that and failed to fulfill that. We've allowed our circumstances and our situations to define God's truth and his promises. Instead of allowing God's truth and his promise to influence and affect our situation. We see after Jesus' baptism and his testing in the, in the desert, his, his ministry ignited. Right? He, he was sent out. Right? So he was baptized, he received the spirit, he was tested, his faith was tested, his, uh, his commitment to God was tested, and then he was released to go do ministry. And his ministry from that point on, we get these narratives over and over, him performing the miracle signs and wonders, healing those who are sick, delivering those who are possessed, pointing people to the Father and away from themselves and away from the world. 
It's after the baptism of the Spirit at the day of Pentecost when the believer's ministry and partnership with the Great Commission was fulfilled and still continues today. Do you realize that? That because of what took place on the day of Pentecost, we can gather here in church today. If it was just up to humans, we would not be here. It's because of the Spirit of God that has been moving across believers' hearts who were hungry and desperate for more, who were willing to say, God, my life is yours, give me it. That the church today is even possible. But then along the way, we've gotten this guy and we've put our attention in, in different places. <coughs> Following Pentecost, Peter is preaching a message of repentance as his thousands were saved. Then we get the narratives that as they were joining Together, They were in unity. They were hearing the apostles' teachings. They were breaking bread. They were praying. And it says a great awe came upon them. And signs and wonders were done in their midst. Later on, Peter and John, right, they stopped and they prayed for the lame man on the way to prayer. They, were, they allowed their schedules to be interrupted to enable and allow God to move on behalf of this person. How many people have you and I passed over? How many lame man, how many lame men have we passed on the road because our schedules called our attention elsewhere? Or we weren't willing to follow through what Jesus called us to do. Again, read Acts 5, and many signs and wonders were done regularly among the people by the hands of the apostles. The sick were healed, the possessed, and the oppressed were delivered. Great love was shown to all. Wisdom was given through the Spirit. Evangelistic revelations were given. Churches became filled with the Spirit. Dreams and visions, prophecy and tongues, and so much more. But today, believers are going in the opposite direction. Or, or we stop at, okay, great, I love my neighbor. Okay, great, try, try the next one. Try praying for healing for somebody. We become so fixated as a church on eloquent sermons and, and phenomenal fog lights and worship and, and just the things that make it all about us and we've completely put God in the back. I mean, if, if, if you listen to just some contemporary Christian music, it's me, 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 hi God, me, 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 me. church is going in that way. We need a fresh encounter with God to align our minds and our hearts and our spirits with His will, with His purpose, with His truth, with His word. There's a multitude of reasons, I think, that, of why 1 Corinthians tells us that the kingdom of God does not consist of talk, but of power. I think one of the main reasons I need to consider this morning is that if, if the kingdom of God consisted only of talk, most believers would speak the gospel on our own, on our own power. We would start picking and choosing, ripping pages out. Because we already try it. Right? Maybe we're not physically ripping a page out, but maybe we're skipping that chapter. We're glancing over it. But when we really when we really consider that the kingdom of God is of talk but also power, then that should put us in our places. 
She put us in our place and give us the perspective that as believers, as the ones who were baptized into one family because we were in need of a Savior, right? We were baptized in water, the, the, the baptism of repentance, that we were in desperate need of the baptism of the Spirit because we cannot and we should not be going out into the world just to maybe quote a Bible verse out of context. But to allow the power of God to influence and affect what's going on in our lives and around us. The power of God is necessary for believers. Plays a significant role when sharing. This is like a thing too. If, if we relied on the power of God, ministry would be a lot easier for us. Like, what do you mean? If we're, if we're following scripture, and scripture tells us to go out, preach the gospel, create disciples, and baptize, heal the sick, deliver, right? All those things. Evangelist uh, Daniel Kalema says that signs and wonders are the easiest part of his ministry. Why? Because he doesn't do it. God does it. You're too often like, oh, well, God's needed overseas. Sure. Right? They go to the bush. Hey, bring me your lame. Bring me your blind. Bring me your deaf. This is what they do before they even preach a message. They bring the person forward. They pray. God heals. And then the whole village is open to hear the message that God wants to speak. We do it the opposite in America. Let me preach you a message. And most of the time, we end service without even offering to pray for people. Because we become complacent with the gospel. Yeah, it's a lot of good stories, but, you know, there's this, and this happened, and science says this, and psychology says this, and this is this. And it's like, what's your view of the word of God? Because our view of the word of God will influence how we view God and the work that he does. When we follow the Great Commission, we need, to, we need the power and the presence of God ready to perform the activity that Jesus and his disciples exemplify. There are people still hopeless, people who are still sick and ill, possessed and oppressed, in need of saving, in need of a miracle, and stuck in darkness. And you know, here's the thing, too. This is what kind of bugs me in the American church. When we think of people who are, who are still in need, we think we need a bigger bank account. We think we need a newer car. We think we need right, all these materialistic things. And in reality, we desperately need the presence of God in our lives. That's the true pandemic of our church. We need people who are willing to get on their faces and just be in the presence of God. Because that's what changes our lives and makes us better. These things that we think we quote unquote need and things that we believe for that really aren't fully biblical are just a quick band-aid to kind of fix this this agonizing pain and cry that we have for fulfillment and relationship. 
We need the power and the presence of God in our lives more now than ever. And us being here today, I think it's part of us just recognizing that. Because maybe we've looked at other Christians or we've looked at our churches and like, there has to be more. Surely being a Christian is more than just Sunday. Surely it's more than just having a worship service and hearing a word spoken. There's a reason why, why maybe the Lord's been speaking to you about why, how you need to bring change and transformation to your community, to your neighbor, to your work. Because the Spirit of God, the presence of God, the power of God is needed. We're given this empowerment, we're given these gifts, we're given the things that the Spirit equips us with to glorify God. Right, Pastor Jamin spoke this morning at our um, at our pregame for the conference. You and I serve as an image bearer to God. So that as we are ministering for the Lord, as we're living a life that is honoring to God, they're like, oh, wow, look at Stephen. They're like, wow, God must be doing something amazing. We're supposed to point people back to the Father. You and I encounter people on a daily basis. We're in desperate need of an encounter with God. How are they going to get it? Are they going to come to a conference that they really have no idea what it's about? Are they going to feel safe and secure to walk into the church doors? I love this question as a pastor. Pastor, why, why do we have empty seats? Who have you been inviting? Who have you been ministering to? Who have you shown God's love to? This is supposed to be a part of our daily lives as believers. We're given the Spirit of God for our sake, but also for the benefit of others. Others can have encounters with God because of our relationship and, and connection to Him. When we're in the word, when we're in prayer, and whenever we're in gatherings like this, we're seeing God move, we're hearing fresh revelation given, that should give us the empowerment and the boldness to go out without any question in our mind that God is going to show up. There's a reason why your co-worker tends to only come to you in the office about what's going on in their lives. And if you only... Give advice that you think they would receive and not advice that would be biblical and godly, then you're doing them a disservice. Here's how I look at it. If people come to me to talk to me about something, that means you give me full permission to speak into your life how I live mine. Maybe today that's our prayer, right? So the the Spirit over and over again provides boldness for the believers to speak. 
Maybe that should be your prayer this morning, if you've been that person. God, give me the boldness to speak your truth and your guidance and your wisdom power for this person's life. This is why we're discussing all of this today. So we're looking at baptisms this morning, all three confirming for us that, that we are submitted and surrendered in position before God. So Lord, here I am, your humble servant. There's a world in desperate need. And maybe it helps to, to reminisce a little bit about where you were before God rescued you. There are people in that same situation or worse. They need the power of God to reach into their lives, break off the chains, pull them out of darkness, and bring them into light. Here's what I want to do this morning as we're kind of wrapping this up. I want our hearts, our minds, and our spirit to be unified with God. It might seem difficult. But if we could, in this, in this moment of prayer coming up, may God remove, whatever this might be, remove my unbelief, remove my preconceptions, remove my hindrances that I've put on you because of what's happening in my life. So just, and I'm just open to receive what your word says, what your spirit does, and empower me for your work, not mine. Because here's the thing, the power of the spirit doesn't just work in ministry. Right? Like it doesn't just work just by preaching the gospel. Like it also works and affects the rest of your life. Right? Like Jesus just isn't concerned about, about when we're opening the Bible or when we're in church. He's also concerned about how you are when you're at work or when you're in the grocery store or when you're on the street or when you're in the car or when you're behind closed doors. Like Jesus is concerned about all of it. But, but, but we live in a world where, where it tells us that we can divide our lives into different sections. Let the power of God affect deeply every aspect of your life. And then as it affects every aspect of your life, every part of your heart, you'll start to see the power of God also influencing every part of your life. So if we can, that's what I'm going to do this morning. As we're in this moment of prayer. Again, maybe it's help my unbelief. Get rid of the preconceptions that you've had. Maybe you're here this morning, and this just kind of popped into my mind. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been hurt by something like this, by somebody else who claimed the Lord in one way or another. And because of that hurt of how it was presented to you, there's been a, there's been a hindrance in your own life because of it, and there's been an unwillingness. Maybe it Today in this morning session, that's that's what you take before the Lord. Forgiving and letting that go. Like God, just show me the truth and reality of who you are. Let's pray this morning. Kind of get comfortable. I just want to take a few moments. If you need to, hands, you know, kind of put your hands up towards towards the sky or however you need to get.
into the receiving mode. Father, you are so good and faithful. God, we thank you for how you've brought us here today. God, all the journeys that we've been a part of. Lord, I thank you for your salvation. I thank you for the freedom that you provide. I thank you, Father, for setting us free, for covering us in the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that, Lord, as we have been baptized into one body, as most of us, or if all of us have been baptized in water through repentance, some of us baptized in the Spirit, some of us unsure. God, I just pray, just whatever it is in this moment, that we're just open to receive from you. And that we're unified in one heart, one mind, one spirit under your lordship, under your authority. Father, across this place, if there's um, anyone who, who's had a hurt or a pain caused from something that someone said is of the Lord and it wasn't, Lord, I ask in Jesus' name, just right now, Lord, that you would minister to them, to their heart, to their mind, to their spirit, that the forgiveness would take place, that, that healing would take place, and that, Lord, in that there would be a willingness to receive from you just the truth of who you are. Father, for all of us who have a preconceived idea of, of what ministry looks like and what being a Christian looks like, but God, it's it, it's opposite of what your word reveals. God, I ask in Jesus' name that, Lord, we, we surrender that to you. The Lord, that, that you break off our own uh, misled self-guidance. That we receive your truth and your power and your wisdom. God, any kind of hindrances that are, that are on our lives, Father, that the enemy tries to speak or place, and we break and and bind in the name of Jesus. God, we pray for freedom in this place, God. Lord, freedom to be children. God, freedom to be sons and daughters of God. Lord, not constricted by the world, not constricted by opinion, not constricted by those around us, not constricted by our situation, but Lord, to be sons and daughters of God and be freely sons and daughters, enjoying the fullness that you provide. And Lord, just across this place too, Father, we all come wanting more. Lord, some come empty. Some almost empty. Some half full. But God, I just ask that all of us here today who are seeking you, that Lord, we receive a fresh indwelling of your spirit. The Lord, that doesn't just fill us up, but Lord, overflows out of us. So God, that we live in not only the, the fullness, but the abundance of you. And God, as we go out from this place today, tomorrow, this week, Lord, I pray that it is on our minds, Lord, that because of the boldness that the Spirit is raising up within us now in this moment, that, Lord, that there's another part of the Great Commission. Lord, to, to pray for those who are sick, to, to pray for those who are oppressed or possessed, Lord, to, to, Lord, to pray for those who, who are in need of a, of a touch from you, God. Lord, from this point on, may we not do anything but say, Lord, the next step I take, I'm taking with your power and your presence. <coughs> Lord, may we see the darkness flee. May we see the lost come back. May we see the prodigal come home. May we see sickness 
be healed and leaves. And all the while pointing people back to you. Showing them your love and your grace and your mercy. Help our lives to be in line with your word, with your calling on our lives as believers. May we not take an identity lightly, but live in the fullness of it in Jesus' name. Father, you are good, and we love you, and we praise you, and we ask all of this in Jesus' name, empowered by your spirit. Amen.